0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Liverpool. Now, you guys will have noticed that I missed the Everton game. And honestly, I just couldn't bring myself to to talk about that game. It was it was horrible on so many levels. Uh, be it the way we played, the opponents we lost to, the fact that I hate Richarlison and he was the one that scored the first goal. And it was just many things that were bad and I kind of like you know what I'll just end up ranting for 15 minutes um, and saying something that I'll probably regret so I decided to skip that but fortunately for me this time round it was a slightly better game uh, in terms of the way we played the performance the result and uh, not that I don't want to talk about our lows we've had many of those so far this season but this was a game where there was a lot more positives to take out of it Uh, and I think things that we'll learn from and take uh, not only into the next immediate game, which is against Chelsea, which is huge in terms of uh, our ability to get in the top four this season. I'll talk a little bit about that later on in this episode. Um, but also just to just to that, that process of healing our confidence and, and healing the wounds that have just opened up and continue to grow and grow uh, over the past couple of months. But before going into the game, obviously during the week uh, out after the Everton game, we had what seemed like just a series of, of bad news. Uh, we saw some positive stuff on on social media of Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez back in you know in their individual trainings, but we obviously had the the bad news that Henderson had to have yet another uh, piece of surgery and he'll be out for probably six weeks. But often is the case with any type of surgery that it's probably longer than that. Um, and he'll be thinking about his Euros as well. Um, but then also the the sad news about Alison Becker's uh, father passing away in Brazil as well, which. You know, uh, with, with Klopp's mother passing away and then Alisson's father passing away, that stuff affects both the players and the team as well. Uh, when it's someone that close, um, and especially given all of the circumstances that are going around in the world at the moment, uh, that's really, really tough uh, to take for anybody. Um, and it was just kind of yet another piece of um, very sad news that, that ultimately felt like it could impact and and, and derail the football side of things, which, which isn't important in the grand scheme of things, but uh you know for for the purposes of this episode and, and for the purposes of kind of what we're talking about and, and liverpool fc the football is is the most important bit um going into the game and obviously with those injuries and slight changes with a couple of changes into the team nat phillips uh coming in and partnering ozan kabak at center back and i gotta say i've been loving the uh the nat phillips skinhead look i feel like he's he's got that uh, i don't know it just gives that kind of rugged i'm gonna get stuck in for the rest of the season uh, and do a job for my team look, love it, um, with Kabak in centre-back, and then Adrian in goal coming in for Allison. And then in the, mid- in the midfield, it was a uh, a kind of a mixture of trust in Gini Wijnaldum in that position, uh, a mixture of Curtis Jones of that young I- inexperience, but also kind of um, his, his courage, how well he's played for us this season, rewarding that. And then it was the kind of a slight anomaly of Tiago in terms of what he might bring to the team um, uh, in the midfield as well. And then up, up front was obviously the, the front three. And I think the first half started um the, the first half evolved in a very strange way, I thought. I thought all th- up until about 30, 35 minutes, we actually had more of the chances. Bobby Firmino had a chance he should have taken. Uh, Mo Salah had a chance he should have taken. But we never felt like we were properly controlling the game. Now, that changed a little bit uh, towards the end of the first half. But it felt like Sheffield United were always in the game. And they had a chance to in, uh, towards the beginning of the game, probably before we had any of our chances as well, that Adrian saved well. But they looked threatening as well. Uh, Ollie McBurney looked threatening. McGoldrick uh, looked threatening as well. Particularly, you know, Ollie McBurney was was uh, really latching onto Kabak. Uh, he knew that he could probably get a lot more out of Kabak than he could from Nat Phillips. Um, particularly aerially. But yeah, we never we never looked like we were creating the chance, but we never looked like we were kind of just dominating the game. And this is where I was probably a little bit frustrated with Wynaldum with and Thiago, where it was a game where, you know, this team has lost so many games this season. It was an opportunity for us, even though we were playing away from home, to really get on the ball, take our time, dominate the ball. Uh, and it felt like we didn't do that. Um, and it's something that I thought we could have we could have done better in the first half. Um, obviously we could have taken our chances and scored one, two, if not even three goals. That would have obviously been the ideal. But I think just getting our foot on the ball and uh, dictating the pace of the game would have uh, helped us a lot more in the first half to to stifle and stop those possible attacks uh, and chances for Sheffield United. And, and, you know, inevitably when you play like that over a period of time, you, you're constantly minute by minute as the as the defending team are kind of shifting around and moving side to side, you continue to demoralize them. You continue to demoralize them. Uh, and that's when mistakes start creeping in um, and, and errors and, and that's, you know, that's when your opportunities to score really crop up. But we went into halftime nil-nil. Uh, I think we were obviously the the probably the more unhappy team going into half time given the chances we had. The Firmino one was was ridiculous. And and he also had the other chance where uh he kind of almost seemed like he had a the goal um, gaping at him but he decided to try and cut the ball back to Sadio Mane uh, and I saw something on Twitter which was fantastic which was someone saying it was almost like uh, Bobby Firmino was playing as if he was trying to complete a FIFA objective um, in that uh, he was trying to cut the ball back into Sadio Mane for, for the easier goal whereas probably should have gone and shot uh, himself um, and that's one thing that we've seen probably was more evident in this game than anything else around Roberto Firmino's finishing and um, He's got many skills, but finishing doesn't seem to be one of them, which is kind of strange. He, he seems to fluff his lines more often than not. And I, I don't know whether that's due to just lack of confidence and not being in those positions uh, frequently enough. Or whether it's his, you know, just his finishing is just not so good. We've seen some fantastic finishes from him over the years. Uh, and so he, he has it in his locker, which which for me kind of makes me think it's more of a confidence thing than anything else. Um, but hopefully now with the goal he got in, well, well, the goal he got in the second half, and I think in terms of the way the team are looking at it, they're treating it like his goal. Whereas I think the Premier League is seeing that as a, as a, um, as a known goal. But yeah, as so I said, going into half time, I think we were probably the more unhappy team. Sheffield United were probably happy it was still nil-nil, uh, and Chris Wilder would have been saying to the players, you know, look, stay in the game. Uh, they're, they're not ahead yet. It's still nil-nil. We'll continue to make a couple of chances. Um, don't make any mistakes, uh, and you know, something might fall our way. We might bully the defenders or something like that. But the the great thing was the fact that we came out, particularly in the second half, right at the beginning, uh, and we carried on with the intensity we were showing. It was it would have been very easy for us to kind of let off and go, OK, fine, we need to build again and maybe repeat some of those mistakes we made at the beginning of the first half where we weren't dominating. But we were able to to really push up high and, and put some concerted pressure right from the beginning of the uh, second half, which ultimately is, is what led to the goal. Uh, great little cross by Trent, and you know, you know, as soon as they started looking at the VAR with the ball possibly going over the line, you were like, "Oh no, here we go again!" Uh, just when we needed a goal, something was going to come out of nowhere and, and and pluck one away for us. But fortunately for us, this time, um, things went our way, and he was able to cut the ball back and Curtis Jones with a very nice finish, uh, just side-footed it in to the corner. A keeper, no chance. Aaron Ramsdale had a good, very, very good first half, made some fantastic saves. Um, and that was and that was a really really breakthrough moment because Sheffield United were defending with with five back. Um, they were pretty resolute in their defending. Phil Elka, an experienced head in there, um, Marshall in the defence. Um, and one of the things I was really thinking about was actually Sheffield United is probably a very good opponent to play before the game we have against Chelsea on Thursday. And the reason I say that is because of the formations they play are fairly similar, uh, particularly the back. Maybe up front it's a little bit more fluid for Chelsea, but particularly with the back five. Um, I actually think that's very similar to the way Chelsea play. And it was kind of good playing Sheffield United because a slightly weaker team but playing a similar system, Klopp and the players were able to understand what worked well, what maybe didn't work so well uh, against that system. Uh, And so that when we play Chelsea on Thursday, hopefully we can take some of those learnings from that game and apply them there and hopefully do better against Chelsea. So I think that's uh, a real positive just from the way that the fixtures have, have, have panned out. Um, but hopefully we can take some of that learning uh, because in the second half particularly, we did dominate the board a lot more. We dominated it higher up the pitch, which inevitably means that you're closer to the goal and therefore you're gonna get more opportunities for strikes and goal, any, any errors you capitalize on, you'll be closer to goal, all that type of stuff. All of that flows off just being further higher up the pitch Um, and after that, I think the first goal I think killed Sheffield United a little bit I think um, as I said, the the message at half time would have been stay in the game, stay in the game, stay in the game we'll nick something late, that's pretty much been the template for how the lower teams have played us this season so far and the ones that have been successful Um, but that that, that goal at the beginning of the second half uh, I think really was a sucker punch to them and after that you really saw us controlling the ball and doing what I think we should have been doing uh, in the first half anyway but then after that, we were able to, as I said, control the ball and and uh, make that make a few more chances. Uh, we had a goal with Mane, who was offside, correctly called offside. No issues with there. Uh, but then Bobby Firmino got his goal, or or not his goal, with the deflected shot, uh, which when if or went off O'Brien, I think his name is, uh, and Aaron Ramsdale had no chance. But yeah, as I said before, it was yet another chance where you saw and and Bobby Firmino, the ball was going so wide, it was going, it wasn't even close. You know, it was going It was going incredibly wide, but he was just fortunate enough. And after that second goal, um, which I think he deserved, I actually think Firmino had a good game in total. Um, he's shown glimpses, and I think the frustrating thing about all of this is that we've shown glimpses throughout this run that maybe we're exiting the run. Uh, you know, the West Ham game was a good example. The Tottenham game was a good example. But we've always reverted back to... You know, losing games that we possibly shouldn't when things, when one thing or or another hasn't gone our way, and so hopefully this time something's different, and we really are learning from our experiences over the past couple of months, uh, and that the Chelsea game is a is a continued step in the right direction for us, uh, looking up the table rather than just further defeats, and looking over our shoulder to Everton and and uh, the rest of the teams that are, are below us in the league. Um, I think for me. Um, in once we scored the second goal the game was over i think sheffield united knew that we knew that and and it kind of just became a coasting um process through that i think my man of the match for the game has to be curtis jones i think um he was the right uh we had i think we had a good experience and good blend of players in that midfield that started for the opponent um i think genie Wijnaldum and tiago uh were good enough in kind of stopping things from a defensive standpoint uh, and it allowed Curtis Jones particularly to break forward more. He was dribbling with the ball, which is always great to see because he is a really, really good dribbler of the ball. And, um, uh, you know, he obviously got his goal as well. And he made a couple of chances. And uh, all-round play, I think he was just he was just really, really good. And then finally, to end out the episode, we do the shout-out to Klopp. And I think it's the shout-out to Klopp is, is what I echoed just uh, just a few minutes ago, which is take the learnings from playing against a five-back team into the Chelsea game. So I think, in particular, I liked with uh, Curtis Jones really kind of going up and and kind of joining the attackers, and if not sometimes making runs beyond the attackers. um, Just helps give the three defenders a little bit more of a challenge. And when you have the the fullbacks that push up, which they naturally push up, it allows then the attackers, so Mo Salah and Salihamani to come inside, uh, and then we've essentially got three attackers up against three defenders, plus it allows the fullbacks Uh, to really push back the wing-backs of the opposition. again, you know Hudson-Odoi and Marcus Alonso or Chilwell will be forced back as a result of that, which really gives us essentially five attacking players. And then when you've got the likes of Curtis Jones and Thiago on the edge of the box picking up the pieces when balls go into the box and when balls get played around, um, and Genie Wijnaldum cleaning up the pieces as well, it really helps us recycle the ball uh, and keep that focus and keep that intensity and pressure on the opposition, uh, which ultimately will lead to chances and hopefully goals. But that's it for this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed this one. We're back again on Thursday for the Chelsea game, another huge game in our in our quest to try and finish the top four. But uh, make sure to subscribe, guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, and follow if you're listening to this on the pod on any podcast app. But thank you all for listening, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.